This is the NRL.com Fantasy Podcast. Hello and welcome to the NRL Fantasy Podcast. My name is Chris Kennedy. Our regular host, Andy Bryan, is off this week due to the birth of his first child, so a big congrats to Andy and his wife, Emma. It means I'm joined by podcast regular Adrian McMurray. G'day, CK. And uh, in the studio for the very first time is our production editor, Dom Brock, who I think puts both of us in the shade when it comes to fantasy. Welcome to you, Dom. Cheers, CK. Good to be here for a massive week of fantasy. It is absolutely massive. It's the biggest week of the fantasy year. The team lists have been unveiled for the first time. There's a clean slate for every fantasy coach. There's endless possibilities and unlimited trades for unlocked players right through the rolling lockout all weekend. Uh, Dom, I know you've spent every single waking second since the team's dropped, committing every player to memory, but we'll keep it pretty simple to start with. Who are the absolute best? best cheapies you've spotted in that sort of 150 grand and under bracket? The, the obvious one is one we all knew already, Jamal Idris. Um, pretty much guaranteed starting spot in the centres, costs 148000 uh, He's a bargain. Um, beyond that, for the really cheap guys, there's, there's a few question marks about just about everybody. Um, Jaden Braley is probably my next favourite option. I've got him in the bench hooker spot at the moment. Uh, base price, he's a rookie. Um, he looks like he's going to be the starting centre for the Sharks, at least for the early rounds, hopefully for the long term. Uh, there are a few question marks with alternatives at the Sharks already, plus they're chasing James Seguiaro still, as far as we know. So, uh, Adrian, plenty more cheapies to, to pick through. Who's caught your eye? Yeah, well, fifth in at the Knights, uh, we, I thought we knew he was going to be the front runner for the fullback spot. He's got that, so definitely um, at that bargain basement price, or oh, just slightly above that, actually, I think one. 48 for him, uh, or 143, sorry. Uh, he'll be uh, a great value there as, as a bench uh, wing fullback. Mm. We worried about him being this year's Jalen Feeney, or is he sort of, you got a pun on him either way? <laughs> there is always that concern <laughs> because we were all burnt by uh, uh, Feeney last year. So, look, I think you, you have to, to start with him, especially at that price. But yeah, there is that always that fear in the back of your mind. Um, a few other guys in and around that price. Uh, Tata Monga at the Broncos really got the, the jump on a few other guys there for that starting centre spot. Uh, he looks like a great, a great lock for your centres. Um, interesting to note that uh, Atahingana, of course, got the, the start there for the Warriors, but he's only going to be there for the first few weeks, which, which is a concern. We'll start with, with Tao Tao Monga because those have been playing uh, fantasy for a, a number of years. Probably remember him um, causing a few headaches for fantasy coaches in the past. There was his, uh, his debut year where he ended up not playing until late in the season so he was managing an injury. Um, his time at the Cowboys, he had quite a few quiet games there when he was playing big minutes. Dom, is he someone you can afford to take a punt on? Is he low risk? Do you think he's going to make some money? There's a bit of risk with a lot of these cheap guys. Um, the, the big risk for, the Bronco, for Monga at the Broncos is that David Meads there in the reserves, who was expected to get a run somewhere in that back line and has missed out this week. So it means if Mongus struggles early on, they've got a ready-made, you know, proven NRL player there. Mm. And he can push Kahu into the centre. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, he could still be worth a punt anyway. He's so cheap. Um, But there are question marks, yeah. I think one of the best that I've seen is uh, is Brian Kelly from Manly, who's named to debut in the centres. I was going through his stats and sort of 130 metres per game in the 20s last year, close to a, a try game with three or four tackle busts per game. He's edged out John O'Wright. Obviously, Matt Wright is working his way back from injury, so there's a few job security issues. Is he a, a must-have for our teams? I think so. I think he's one of those those uh, rookie centres who really stands out, You know, f- including for the reason that he made the spot in the centres. He's not a he's not a winger like Nick Kotrick, who's another um, 
good example. I think he's a dual position player. Yep. Um, but the fact Kelly's played his way into the centre straight away, it's a good sign. Um, he's a quality young player. Um, Manly's looking to, you know, it's a new new era for them, so mm. they're going to give those young guys a go, you think. And, uh, you mentioned Hingano before, and we were expecting Kieran Foran back in round three. Um, he's almost rookie price, and he's going to get two 80-minute games. Are we putting a line through him because Foran might be backed? We think Foran might end up having some hiccups, obviously, even if he's got his head right. He had a lot of um, shoulder and, and hamstring injuries last year, and there's not a lot of cheap halves around. Adrian? Yeah, I think, uh, especially for your fourth spot in the halves, I think he'd be a, a great pickup. Um, yeah, because you're not really going to look to play him in the long term, but he is the next cab off the rank if uh, injury does strike uh, Sean Johnson or, or Foran doesn't regain full fitness. Um, so I think as a fourth half, yes, but I wouldn't be looking at him as a starter or a, even a reserve. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to skip him altogether personally just based on that that lack of job security. He's pretty much guaranteed to be going in round three and then you're just waiting for an injury. Um, so, you know, that goes for a lot of players. It's a bit like Jay Field, who's going to come off the bench in round one. We don't know how long that's going to last for, if he's going to start eventually or not, but for similar reasons, there are enough doubts to, you know, raise there. If not Hingano, then, who are you looking at for your cheap sort of halves there? There aren't a lot. There aren't a lot. It's... it's um, Usually you get one rookie half who gets a run somewhere that you can guarantee as a fourth, fourth reserve, um, as a fourth half in the reserves. But uh, this year it's, it's Kane LG who's just under uh, 200,000, 197,000 I think. And then below that it's, it's all risks. So yeah, I mean you can, you can pick one of those guys but it's a, but it's a gamble. Does that mean you're going to sort of invest a little bit more in your halves to get those sort of mid-range guys and, and premium guys as well? I think so. If... if for my team, if I'm getting Braley at hooker and then a lot of rookies in the outside backs, um, that frees up a bit of cash to spend in other places. What about in the forwards? We've got a few cheap options. Guys like um, Lloyd Parrott has made the 17 at Manly. He's in the 140s. Uh, and a couple of debutants at Newcastle on the bench in Yates and Stone, who I'm not too sure what their work rate or job security is like. Are we looking at any of these cheap options? Yeah, it's all, it's all guesswork, especially for those Knights rookies where job security is a massive question mark at this point. Um, the Knights last year made changes to their forward pack, especially on a regular basis. Who knows how two rookies are going to play in round one, whether they're going to get many minutes to start with at all. Um, Yates is dual position, which is really handy. Um, but beyond that, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, close your eyes, have a guess, cross your fingers. Yeah, there's a few guys on that extended Knights bench as well that do have first grade experience that could come back in as well. So it doesn't Oh, who knows what's going to happen with that Newcastle side. You know, things change week to week and that sort of thing. Um, Josh King still hasn't, the young uh, Newcastle prop, still hasn't won a first-grade game, though. 12 starts, zero wins. He's not in the side this week, so... He's due, is what you're saying. Yeah, he could come in and they could... Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? For sure. And are we putting a line through some of the the pre-popular cheapies like Cam King, Caelan Ponga, uh, Joe Stimson, Curtis Scott, Moses Suley? All these guys are on the radar who've missed out on the 17s. Are we just putting a line through them because they're not playing round one? I think Caelan Ponga will still be popular just based on mainly how great he looked at the Nines. So players, uh, fantasy coaches got really excited by that. Um, A lot are still hoping he's going to get a run, if not... This weekend, where there's still a question mark over Winterstein at the Cowboys, maybe down the, down the road. Um, personally, I'm probably going to rule out anyone who does, doesn't make the cut this week. 
Sure. And moving on to some of the more mid-range buyers. So these are guys who are um, offered at a discount who could be money makers, maybe cut price keepers, but who aren't at that rookie price. Um, Adrian, where are you looking at the, the mid-range section? I know Jared Haynes, just about the most popular player in fantasy at the moment at 200k. Um, I assume he's an auto pick, even if he is under an injury cloud ahead of round one? Absolutely, yeah. You've, I think you've got to have him. The numbers reflect that. So Hain, um, along with RTS, are the, the two guys you really need at your wing fullback and you, you fill the, the third spot there with whoever you like. Um, Felice Kafusi at the Storm secured that uh, starting back row spot um, along with Kenny Bromwich as well. Uh, he offers great value. Um, I think he's available in the front row as well. So you can sort of move him around, offers that versatility and you know great upside for the, the rest of this season. For sure. And similar story at Manly, Don, with uh, Curtis Siren and, and Frank uh, Winterstein both starting at uh, a discounted price to what you'd expect for a starting back row. Yeah, Sirenen's been talked up a lot um, in pre-season by Trent Barrett, and he's played quite well in the trials um, and at the Auckland Nines. Um, and was expected to start. Um, Winterstein's a bit more of a surprise, but um, comes even cheaper. So they're both very you know cheap players to start in the second row, which is... Um, generally a pretty high-scoring position for fantasy. Uh, Sirenen hasn't scored well in fantasy in the past, possibly ever, but if he, if he starts, plays big minutes, possibly 80 minutes, who knows, um, you would think he'd have to get 35-plus points a week, in which case, good moneymaker. For sure. And uh, I guess elsewhere um, in the back line, maybe someone like uh, Sifa Talakai at the Rabbitohs, um, Akuyuase at Manly potentially has some price rises in him. You're looking at these sort of guys, Adrian? Uh, not at this stage. I think Uate, while cheap, uh, is a little bit too pricey. You know, I want to use that that extra sort of 30, 40K. He's possibly. about 177. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, so I really want either guns and guns and rookies there in the, across the back line. Um, Talakai, yes, has, has some upside as well, um, but Braden Burns is waiting in the wings. There's a number of guys fighting for spots in that South's back line. Still on South's. What's doing with their front row? George Burgess, mm. named as one of the, uh, the, you know, part of the extended squad, not in the 17. Zane Musgrove, though, he gets the nod at this stage. We know Michael Maguire likes to uh, play a few tricks with his team, team lineups, keeps us guessing. Uh, but at this stage, George Burgess, who I think we all had uh, through much of the preseason, not in the, the 17 at this yeah. stage. It was the biggest shock of the of Teamless Tuesday, I think, no, George Burgess. It caused a lot of fantasy coaches to start reshaping their whole squads based on replacing him. Uh, who knows? They, they play on Friday night this week, I believe, South. So, so that's a positive, at least, that we can, by Thursday night, we'll know uh, the Rabbitohs' top 19, and then by Friday night, we'll know definitely whether he's in or out and can make trades then. Yeah, the, the third game, so we, we still have a fair bit of flexibility by the time the team rolls around. Um, George Burgess is someone that I've scratched from my Fantasy 25 um, coming out of Teamless Tuesday. I'm still a bit hesitant on um, Zane Musgrove, though. He's about 200k and he does have Burgesses waiting in the wings, a lot of other prop forwards. So talking about these mid-range props, are we keeping an eye on George Burgess? Are we scratching Zane Musgrove just for that job security issue? I think if George Burgess makes the team, makes a starting side in a late change on Friday, then he's probably back into my team. I just there's a lot of upside if he can regularly start. He was he's been a 50 point player in the past. Uh, Musgrove, as you say, he's he's a lot cheaper than than Burgess, but the job security is just not there. 
Uh, someone else who's in my team at the moment, he's not been a big scorer of the, of the past, but he, uh, he's starting this year, he's Sui Matangi at the Eels. Looked really good in the nines, he's about 200k. Close to a point a minute in his time at Penrith, only playing 20 odd minutes though. Um, if he goes up to 40 minutes, is he someone we can make some money out of? I think so. Um, I think he's probably ahead of those, you know, Musgrove, those sorts of guys in terms of your, your mid-price sort of front row. So definitely, I think, uh, one to, to really look at, especially seeing he's secured that, um, that starting role at Para. For sure. Well, I guess we'll move up to some of the more, um, the, the premium options now. So not talking about your, your Cam Smiths and the guys that we know are good, but the, the guys who might be headed for a breakout season. So a lot of people I know are looking at Josh McGuire and David Klemmer. Um, I've personally got Paul Vaughan in my team at the moment. Uh, Don Castro and some of these guys. Jared Wallace is another one. Yeah, the, Wallace and, and uh, McGuire have both been uh, popular. They were both expected, well, McGuire was a, a lock to play, to play lock. McGuire, it was a chance... Uh, uh, Wallace was a chance to play lock as well. Um, so they're both dual position players, which is handy. Uh, they've both got new roles this year. Maguire, as I said, taking lock from uh, Corey Parker, um, who's now retired. Um, Wallace now going to the Titans, where you'd expect he'd have a bigger role than he did at the, Bro- the Broncos. Um, so there's good reason to see some increase in points and price for them this year. It's hard to know how much, whether it would be five points a week, in which case you know they're slightly undervalued. You want closer to 10 points a week to make it a, a really good value buy at the start of the year. Um, so like a lot of these guys, there's question marks, but certainly they, they won't go backwards this year. In terms of Maguire, uh, it's interesting how the Broncos have shaped their bench with the four forwards as well. Um, will Andrew McCulloch play 80 minutes? Will Maguire slot in at hooker at times? How does that affect his scoring? I'd imagine he'd continue making heap, a heap of tackles. Uh, you know, his running metres obviously take a little bit of a hit. Um, so there's really a few interesting questions there still with the Broncos, but Maguire's looking okay. Yeah, he's looking pretty good. He probably won't, I mean, he won't be what Corey Parker was mm. because most of his points come from tackles and run metres, those basics. He's not a, a big offloader like Parker. Um, doesn't get as many tackle breaks either. So you can't see him being a, well, I don't think he'll be a 65-point you know, elite gun or anything. Mm. Um, but every chance he gets 50-plus, which is what you'd be after. It's funny when these guys like Parker and Hindmarsh retire, I think everyone expects the guys that step into their position to become... To score what they scored. Yeah, but you have to remember these are different players. They do different things. Parker offloads more than Maguire, perhaps. You know, They're their own person. They're not going to become, just because they're wearing the jersey that... The, the previous player wore. For yeah. sure, and I, I guess like you said, Maguire's got four forwards on the bench to contend with, and he was also averaging about 60 minutes last year, so you can't really see that going up too much, so I don't know how much room there is for growth there. Um, looking to a similar sort of story in the back line, a guy who's in my team at the moment, Dylan Walker, I know we talked about in a previous podcast, is looking good, and uh, also at mainly Tom Travojevic. Um, I know he scored probably almost better at centre last year than he did at fullback, but having shaken off an injury, uh, is he about to head to, to breakout keeper status? Yeah, that injury is the, the big factor in his favour this year, That the idea that he's going to be physically stronger this year and will, will play better as a result. Um, He's still young. He's absolutely dominated the uh, NYC in recent years. So the talent's there. Um, yeah, so the hope is that he, he reaches something like a Tedesco-style tackle break king, scoring tries, setting up tries. He'll be a big part of Manly's attack this year. Um, he's also dual position, available at centre. So long-term, could be a, a centre in you know your final team um, with not that many big scoring options there. So... There's a lot to like about him. He's not super cheap. I think he's about 390-odd. Um, 
but still, I think I think he's a decent buy. Yeah, agreed. At this stage, I'm starting with Trebojevic. Uh, you mentioned Walker as well, though. I'm not so sold on. Um, I just think that money could be used uh, elsewhere in your centres. Um, I, I certainly get the argument that he'll, you know, be goal kicking, improved form, you know, lock down that centre spot now. But for mine, I think there are better options, um, especially around that price point, three seventeen. Have you got Walker in your team? Second? I've got Walker at the yeah. moment. He's the only primo I've got. The other guys, I think I've got Talakai, Idris and Kelly. So it's all, it's three cheapies other than Walker. And it sort of brings me to my next question, which is can you afford to splash money in the centres with how tight the salary cap is? I assume a lot of us want Cam Smith or a primo at hooker and another, you know, a Fafita or a, you know, James Graham in the front row and a Sam Burgess or a Trent Merrin in the back row. When you're trying to get these primos in your team, can you actually afford to splash much cash in your, your back line? It's, it's such a hit and miss position with those cheapies especially. Um, so it, the temptation with so many uh, rookies or cheap players starting the centres is just load up on them. And it makes sense because there's no huge guns in the centres. The top players, like Lewis scored about 47 points a week last year. Jared Croker, low 40s. Um, but in saying that, it's really easy to get stuck with four dud centres in you know two or three rounds into fantasy. So... Um, yeah, it can go either way. It's, it, it is, it's a relief once you have at least one gun centre that you can just know you don't have to muck around with trades for the rest of the year. Just leave him there and he'll, he'll do the job. For sure. I, I wanted to talk just a little bit specifically about hookers. We're not going to go through every position in the team um, in this podcast, but hookers are such a tricky position. And there were some really significant developments at a few clubs surrounding their, their number nine options over the weekend. Um, clearly, Cam Smith's still the best option, but because he's so expensive, people are sort of hoping to get maybe a, a discount on a, a keeper in that spot. Um, to start off with, two fantasy guns of years gone by in Robbie Farrow and Isaac Luke. They both have bench hookers to contend with. So you've got Damien Cook at South, named in the 17, um, and Aaron Clark at debutant the Warriors named in the 17 Cam McInnes at the Dragons a lot of people were eyeing off as a, a discount sort of option to Cam Smith as well but he's now got Jay Field on the bench and that could push Josh McCrone to a hooker for spells so he's not guaranteed 80 minutes are we just putting a red line through all three of these guys I think I am yeah I was looking at McInnes uh, earlier I don't think he was in my team before teamless Tuesday but um, I thought he was it was an excellent option um, but with Field there and yeah, as you say, the, the likely switch of Macron to Hooker at some point in the game, I'm probably ruling him out. And the other two, similarly, they, they both can improve, but it's such a question mark with that bench hooker. For sure. And talking about um, a slightly more discount option, um, we mentioned Jaden Braley at the top, who I think we all like is probably the best of the number nine cheapies. But you've got um, Matt McCurick at about 143k starting for the Tigers and Kayser Pritchard about 180 starting for the Eels. Does the potential impending return of guys like Matt Ballin and Isaac DeGoyce put too much of a risk factor on these guys, Adrian? Certainly for McCurick, I think it does. Um, I think Pritchard is a, a different case though because it sounds like he's got the running on Cam King at the moment um, and I, I think if he certainly plays well in the early rounds then he could really nail down that spot at the Tigers though the presence of Ballon and also Little uh, really concerns me I don't think McCurick's a long-term option there um, so I wouldn't really be looking to start the year with him because it's just uh, wasting a trade, I suppose. Mm. Pritchard as well, aside from having DeGoyce to come back, he's uh, he's got a terrible injury history. He's had some really bad luck with injuries and he's also not really been a high scorer in that position. Mm. Is that fair to say, Don? Yeah, um, I haven't looked too closely, but but he's ne- I feel like it's 30s at, at max from what he's done before and you might have looked at this more closely than I have. Um, yeah, because on Ch- Teamless Tuesday, he really jumped out as an option all of a sudden at less than 200k starting hooker no bench hooker this week um 
but yeah, as you say, if, if he's not going to get big scores even in this position and with, those, with De Gois likely to come back and play some role at some point, uh, he probably is a bit too much of a gamble. Sure, and we obviously we know who the, the real top keeper-level players are, guys like Cam Smith, Fafita, Tedesco in their various positions. We can't get all of them. Who do you think are the absolute top priorities at the, the real high end, guys you want to just set and forget, get at the start of the year and just leave in your team the whole year? Uh, well, um, Sam Burgess has been in my team from the get-go, so he's going to be there, stay there, not going to go unless there's a significant injury or anything or suspension or anything like that. Yeah, suspended for a couple of months. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, but at this stage, looking looking fine. Um, in the halves, I did have Adam Reynolds there before his injury. Um, I thought I'd just keep him the whole season. Uh, now I'm looking towards either Johnson or DCE, so whichever of those guys looks like they're going to be set and forget primo half. Um, and really that's the only sort of, apart from Cam Smith, of course, uh, really the only guys that I'm sort of sticking with at this stage. It's all up in the air. The next 24 hours are going to be a crazy time. Yeah, I think Corey Norman's the other one in the halves that um, could make that step up from borderline gun to genuine gun this year, playing along, alongside Gutherson all season. Um, he was it was excellent last year. The Eels are expected to improve a little. Um, he should get a ton of kick meters. Uh, yeah, he, he averaged high 40s last season, could easily average 50, 55 this year and join the Sean Johnson level elite halves. So, yeah, he's the other one that I've got in my team. What do we think about Mitch Pearce? Because the Roosters came 15th last year. He missed a chunk of the season, but he was obviously red hot in terms of his stats when he was on the field. Roosters were all expecting, I think, to be a lot better this year. It means more points. Um, Luke Keery's probably a bit more of a creative half than he had at times last year, but uh, has never really dominated stats. I think Mitch Pearce is still going to take the bulk of the long kicks. He's obviously the equal most expensive half. Is he someone we're seeing potential upside to at 500k? He's very cheap. Uh, very, cheap. very expensive is, is the one thing. So I think he'll score as well as he did last year, where he was great. He came back halfway through the season and, and dominated. I think he was, if not the best, yeah, equal best with Cleary just about as uh, scoring half. Um, I can't see him improving much on that is the only reason why I won't be getting him at the start of the season. But if you want to go all out for a guaranteed gun in the halves, Mitch Pearce is a good move. I think last week we spoke about the, um, the foreign sort of green rule, uh, that stable halves partner that really doesn't score too well but is consistently there doing the job and allowing the other half to shine. Luke Keery strikes me as another player who's, you know, a, a really quality NRL first grader, uh, a premiership winner at South, doesn't really score that well in fantasy, has the occasional big game, but really there, you know, his other halves partner in Adam Reynolds has always been the uh, the more prolific fantasy scorer. So potentially... Mitch Pearce uh, could really benefit uh, this year from playing alongside Kiri in terms of his fantasy output. Have we got any sort of last-minute tips to fantasy coaches? Obviously, people can change their teams as much as they want before the weekend. Is there anything that's important to get into your team or not to get into your team before the weekend that could make people's seasons a bit easier heading into round one? I think don't panic. You've, you've probably, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably spent a fair few hours over the, uh, the, the last month or so putting your team together and all that research over the off-season. So really back yourself, uh, back those decisions. Don't be too put off by, um, you know, any sort of last-minute, uh, you know, rumours or innuendo. If some of the things in Team List Tuesday put you off, yeah, that's fair enough. But, you know, back yourself. Um, you, you've done your, if you've done your research and, you know, you, you hold yourself in good stead for the rest of the season. In saying all that, if you do want to panic, 
it's a good week to do it because <laughs> <laughs> with the rolling lockout, it, it means this week that you can make as many trades to your squad through to the last game of the weekend, um, apart from players who have already played. So after Thursday night's game, you can still re rehash your whole squad after Friday. So if you're able to keep an eye on the results, keep an eye on the team list all through the weekend, um, if someone, you know, if some player gets injured or has a disastrous game for you on Thursday night or Friday night, you can even start planning ahead to next week's trades and thinking, if I need more cash to upgrade this guy, I could mm. swap someone, you know, trade someone now to someone cheaper. I don't know. It's the one week where you can really take good use of the rolling lockout and, and tweak your team as, as you like. That brings us to another sort of contentious point, which is how much money do you keep in the bank heading into round one? Because if you've got a little kitty there of about 300k and you suddenly spy a really good option that you want to get in for, you know, 200, 250k next week in place of a 138k guy, um, and just to have that little bit of a war chest there, is that advisable or do you just want to absolute just spend every cent you've got and start getting those points on the field as soon as possible? I think it comes down to your, your team structure, really, um, and how many sort of viable cheap options there are in terms of fleshing out your bench um, I certainly look to spend most have leave about 30 to 50 just so that I'm not sort of totally stranded when it comes to my first sort of trades um, but yeah I've never been one to leave hundreds of thousands from yeah. the get-go I think I'm about the same I've thought about this before and it's really hard to wrap your head around because often if you do leave a lot of spare cash in your in your salary cap, after round one, the players you want to buy are probably cash cows who are really cheap to start with anyway. So you're just freeing up even more money by bringing them in and then you're just left with hundreds of thousands of dollars you're not, you're not spending. So you don't really want to be stuck in that situation. Your, your scores are going to not match players who are spending their whole salary cap. So I don't know, yeah. As Adrian says, having 20 or 30 or 40 grand left gives you a bit of buffer if you just want to do a sideways trade in round before round two. Um, that's probably enough, I think. Mm. Yeah. yeah, good point. Okay, well, that wraps us up for another episode of NRL Fantasy, arguably the most important episode all year. Uh, if you like what you hear, be sure to give us a like and a subscribe. Um, you can catch all of us on Twitter. I'm at CKennedy80. Dom is at Dom underscore Brock, and we've got at Adrian McMurray as well. We'll be back in the studio next week to dissect a massive round one of on-field action. Until then, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. For your chance at $350,000 in cash and prizes, head to fantasy.nrl.com and register your team today. You've been listening to the nrl.com Fantasy Podcast.